Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Well, hello again. We're back, continuing in our study in the book of Matthew in uh, chapter 19. And we are, uh, we got through verse 3, so verse 3 is kind of our kickoff point because that's kind of what starts this segment on the uh, marriage and divorce and of course we mentioned the fact that the pharisees as always are there and trying to challenge or trip up jesus and they throw out this question about um divorce and uh they ask him you know is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause of course you know they um you know they're they're trying to get jesus to say something that might uh be controversial, might cause a problem. They don't care if it's right, wrong, or indifferent. They uh, they know that this is a an issue, and um, whatever he says is probably going to cause a lot of people to stand behind him and cause a lot of people to oppose him. And so that's what they're after is division. It's what they always want. So he gives them response, and notice what he says. And he answered and said unto them. Have you not read? Okay? Have you not read? He's referring to Scripture, of course. And, um, I mean, that is the common bond between the two of them is Scripture. And, of course, the problem is that they put their own spin on it. Um, and he always guides them back to what it, it really, it truly says in context and so on. Uh, but he takes them all the way back to the beginning. Um, and he answered them and said, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? So he starts there um, with marriage. He says, First, we've got to get the basics right. Now, you would think in reading this that this was written in, the, in our current time, our current century. Um, but this is over, over 2,000 years ago. Um, but, you know, of course, they had some similar problems as we have today. Um, but they're, in this particular case, they're referring to, uh, to divorce. But God clarifies, first of all, that God created a man and a woman. And, and it wasn't so much that he created the different genders, different sexes. He... He created them. He, he tried to create two creatures that were compatible. Now, in this day and age, obviously, we have this problem with the homosexual community who tries to tell us that, you know, you can be compatible and be of the same sex, and that's just not true. I know that's it's not a popular view to, for me to say that, but I, I can't go against Scripture. 
God created us male and female, and he created us to be complementary. Um, say what you want. Same-sex relationships simply are not complementary. They may be temporarily satisfactorily sexually satisfactory, um, but they don't provide ultimate satisfaction. They can't produce what, you know, God intended a marriage to produce. Um, but, you know, be that as it may, the fact is God created man, male, and female. Um, they try to say that, you know, you have um, the genital differences and then you have the um, mental differences. Um, th that, you know, the, the situation today is a mental difference, that, you know, between the ears um, that gender is determined. Uh, by your brain, well, that's that's not true. There's a confusion between the ears, certainly. Um, and that's why they come up with these crazy ideas with regard to gender. But the fact is, God created a man as a whole. And so we're not to be confused about what our gender is. Um, we're male and we're female, and, and that's it. So he says, he, you know, he gives them the scripture references. Look, if you're going to find an answer, you got to you got to start with scripture. And let's go back all the way to the beginning. First of all, you have a man and a woman. Um, and then he said, "For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh." So that's kind of the second point that that he makes here. Um, they make a decision to become one. Um, obviously, they're not, um, you know, we don't morph into one another. However, our, um, our sexual relations, our intimacy, if it's done properly um, within the bonds of marriage, creates an, a, a relationship that is different than what the world wants it to be. Of course, Satan, he introduces so many things in the sexual revolution, pornography, um, obviously, you know, cohabitation, um, some of the laws that we have. I mean, we have a, even have a common law uh, relationship that says after you've lived together for so long, you are legally married. Um, you know, we, we come up with all this crazy stuff um, to try and confuse what we are, but and, and to um, to counteract what God says should be. God says, look, I created a man and a woman, and my intent is for you to become a husband and a wife. I mean, there's some formal implication there that should occur. Typically, you know, we call that a wedding. And now that a wedding can take many different ceremonial um, um you know, functions or situations or performances or whatever you want to call it. You know, different cultures do it in different ways. But there is there is a, a, a ceremonial type situation or a declaration that occurs um, that legally binds two people. And, and once that is done, the husband-wife relationship is established. And then you can proceed then to the physical relationship that that bonds you together and makes you one flesh. That's what becomes unique about a marriage. I mean, if you're sleeping around with anybody and everything, there's nothing unique 
about a marriage. When it comes to a physical relationship, there's nothing to bond you together um, as one flesh. Um, you, you bond and you become one and then you have children and that's what makes a family a family. That's what makes it different than everything else. Um, and, and what he's driving at here is the fact that marriage is a very, very special type of situation and it's different from what the world um, from what the world defines as a relationship. And then he goes on, of course, then in verse 6, and the third thing I want to point out, point out that he says, Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh, what therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So God declares as male and female, God says they're going to be one flesh, and it's God who joins them together in all the weddings that I've performed you know, I always emphasize the fact that this is, we're declaring before the people that we stand before God and are united by Him. He's the one that puts His stamp of approval on a marriage, and that between the two, the husband and the wife, in that marriage, um, they're going to use that marriage as a as a tool to serve God. Uh, you know, my wife and I, for 40, over 47 years, um, we complimented one another in serving God. Now, we didn't always compliment one another in some of the decisions we wanted to make. We certainly had um, um, scuffles, let's call it that. Uh, we didn't always see eye to eye on everything, you know, within the course of our life. But the one thing we did see eye to eye on is that, that God has put had put us together and we were together for a reason, and we could better serve God together than we could separately, and so that's what we did. Uh, ultimately, um, you know, we always arrived at the conclusion that our decisions needed to be of God. It, it, he needed to be first, and if, if the two of us loved God more than we loved each other, then we would love each other more, and our marriage would be strong, and it always was. Um, even in the, the bad times, our marriage was still, there was never any doubt. Uh, we, were, we were always together, uh, and I'm not saying that to lift myself up. What I'm trying to say is we allowed God to put us together. And if you allow God to put you together, then the discussion that we're about to have here with regard to divorce would not be an issue. But unfortunately, it is, and they actually bring that up in, um, in verse 8, and that's kind of the fourth point I want to make. Uh, they say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And we remember, of course, Moses in the wilderness um, issued um, stipulations with regard to the, the divorce, you know, the ending of a marriage. And um, in verse 8, he saith unto them, Moses... Because of the hardness of your heart. You know, that's the fourth point I kind of want to make here with regard to this divorce. It's because of the hardness of your heart. Suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Okay, so Moses points out here that divorce is a situation that comes about as a result of the hardness of the heart. Now, we're going to talk about what's allowable, what's justifiable, and what's not. Um... But what he's trying to say is none of this was ever in what God wanted. None of this is what God intends to happen. 
you know, when you marry somebody, there are things that you do and decisions you make and preparations that must be done um, that are designed to prevent a hardness of the heart. But unfortunately, the hardness of the heart tends to set in. So Moses accommodated that because, you know, he recognizes that we're still sinful creatures and we're still going to make stupid decisions and we're still going to make terrible mistakes, um, things that we should not do, and one of which has to do with divorce. Um, and, and Moses then, you know, in that, um, that, that directive that he gave, says in verse 9, And I say unto you, this is Moses speaking, he's, he's reciting Moses, in other words, And I say unto you, whatsoever, uh, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. All right? Adultery is a valid reason for divorce, according to Moses. Not necessarily according to God, but according to Moses. Moses allows it. Now, you know, it's interesting. Uh, well, I'll not get too much into that, but Moses points, you know, they're pointing out here that Moses made an allowance. It was he's, he's saying, look, this is really not what God wants. This is not God's directive. This is what I'm telling you. But the fact is, God preserved it in His Word. And if it's preserved in His Word and we believe His Word is inspired, then God inspired Moses to say this. So, kind of ultimately it is from God because God made an allowance uh, due to the hardness of our hearts. It says Moses did, but ultimately it was really God through Moses that, that did this, that he, that he has allowed man to do something that he would prefer they not. Um, and divorce, in this case, um, is, is one of them. Uh, so divorce, you know, I, I don't have time to get into adultery. We're going to have to save that really for our next segment because we've only got uh, about a minute and a half left. But Moses says for fornication and adultery, um, those are valid reasons for divorce. Now, we're actually going to talk about another one, uh, another uh, current problem we have with regard to divorce, and that's abuse, and see where that comes, see where that stands, scripturally speaking. Um, but, God ta but, but Moses talks about adultery, so let me just make one point about adultery, and maybe we'll reiterate this in our next section. But adultery, uh, the word used here, um, comes from the root word makos, M-A-Y-K-H-O-S. And the interesting thing about that root word is the word, word, root word actually means apostate. So he's equating adultery or the adulterous relationship as, as um, you know, as, as an apostate type situation. You're uh, not recognizing the bonds of marriage in the relationship that you have in marriage, which is supposed to be a picture of the relationship between Christ and His church. So that's where the apostate idea comes from. So I'm just going to kind of leave you with that thought. We'll pick up on that when we come back. We're at the end of our time. So um, 
We'll catch you later. Goodbye and God bless.